Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right, here is today's reading. Thanks, team. 21 to 28. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, and every Sabbath day he went into the synagogue and taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, for he taught as one who had real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. A man possessed by an evil spirit was in the synagogue and he began shouting, Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be silent, come out of the man. At that, the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion, but then he left him. Amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news of what he had done spread quickly through the entire area of Galilee. Good word, good word. What do you, what do you expect when you come to church on a Sunday? Singing? A blessing. Yeah? Wisdom. May your desires be fulfilled today, Mr. Ruop. We all come with different ideas about what it looks like. Some of us come perhaps under duress. The chuckles give it away. Some of us because we have to or because our parents or our spouse brings us along. Some of us because this is what we've always done, so this is what we'll keep doing because why would we do anything different? Because we go to church on Sundays. And some of us might be a mix of all of that. Some of us might be on a roster, but we love serving anyway. Did a good job this morning, team. Some of us love worship services and just love coming and being a part of it. And you might be somewhere in the middle of all that, somewhere from, I would rather still be asleep right now all the way to this is the highlight of my week, or somewhere in between. And it might be different week to week. If we're all honest, sometimes we can be like, yes, can't wait for worship, can't wait to be a part of it. And other times it might be like, oh man, I'm not really feeling it today, whatever that might mean. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a part of this, this wasn't a Sunday gathering, this was a Saturday, this was a Sabbath gathering that Pam just read for us. That you're a part of this and there's a new teacher in town. And not just a new teacher, but a teacher with authority. Different to anything that you have heard before. And so you're sitting there and possibly they've read from the Torah, Jesus himself might have read the Torah and then as is the tradition in the synagogues that he would have then shared on how to live that out in the daily lives. Shared what that would look like for the good Jewish people in that day. 
hundreds of years after the Torah was written. And there might be a reading or two from the prophets as well. And there might be some form of blessing, there might be some form of singing, some form of worship. And then, there's a man possessed by an evil spirit who cries out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, how would you respond if sitting here right now, someone shrieks out? And it's not actually the person talking, but it's the demon that possesses the person calling out to the Holy One of God. It would get real uncomfortable real fast, wouldn't it? This is a fascinating story, a fascinating encounter where Jesus is in the synagogue teaching the people, revealing some heavenly kingdom wisdom to these people to the point that he is impacting an evil spirit that is currently possessing one of the local congregation. And the evil spirit can't take it. Whatever Jesus is saying in that moment, maybe it's just the fact that the spirit is in the presence of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That the spirit shrieks out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Now there is nothing in there to say that Jesus has even, like he's not even doing ministry time. Like he hasn't even said, all right, all of you with, that are possessed by an evil spirit, just raise your hand. Does anybody want to volunteer? I'm not sure. Sorry. He hasn't even done that. He's just doing, I would love to know what Jesus was teaching about. But here is Jesus, the Holy One of God, not a phrase that's used very often throughout Scripture, Old or New Testament. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, and the evil spirit that is present can't even cope with his presence. The evil spirit sees in Jesus somebody, the, the one who has come to completely upset what the evil spirit was there to do. Jesus, just by being present. This is, this is our constant hope and our prayer and our desire. In, definitely in day-to-day life, but as we get together on a Sunday morning, as we get together for any kind of worship service, prayer gathering, whatever it might be, Our constant hope and prayer is that people would encounter the risen Saviour. Now, either we are super spiritually switched on and none of us, either here now or in years and decades gone by, are possessed by an evil spirit or the evil spirits aren't responding to the presence of Jesus in the same way. Now, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I don't think the demons have changed much either. So I read this and I wonder, where is the gap that we don't see demons being cast out in the name of Jesus anymore? When we gather in his name, when we gather to worship him, to praise him, to seek his face, what are we expecting? What are we waiting for? Uh, I love the instruction that Jesus gives 
to, to the evil spirit. Verse 25, Be quiet, said Jesus sternly, come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. If you go back to verse 22, they'd recognize that. The people were amazed at his teaching because Jesus taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Some of your translations will say, not as the scribes. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. So on one level, here is Jesus being probably invited into the synagogue by the local, uh, the local leaders of the synagogue to come and teach, they obviously recognised he carried something that he could share with the local um, synagogue community. All right? So keep in mind, this is just after he's already called some disciples, so he already has a following. He's been baptised by John, has some disciples, has a following, and now he's invited to speak in the synagogue. So he speaks into this community. And they recognise that there is a new authority, there's a different level of authority that Jesus carries compared to what they're used to. Because for a long time, the synagogues had been under the teaching of the scribes. Okay, so who are the scribes? Who are the teachers of the law? The scribes were a group of people that started to emerge around about a similar time as the prophets. But in between the time that we last hear from the prophets in the Old Testament and the time that Jesus comes on the scene, the teachers of the law, the scribes, established themselves as a higher and higher authority on the Torah, on the law, and give themselves a higher level of authority in the local synagogue community, in the Jewish community, okay? So they're all operating with their self-given authority. And then Jesus comes, not under the authority of man, not under the self-given authority, but under the authority of God himself, and so the people there hear him speaking and they realise that there's a newer teaching with authority. Now, I've read this a few times and it wasn't until I was getting ready for today. There's a distinction in verse um, 27. The people say, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. That's the teaching and the authority that Jesus comes with. The new teaching with authority isn't to cast out demons. That's above and beyond if I can make the distinction here, he even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. So here is Jesus coming into this community, breaking into his time of ministry, a new teaching with authority, and he even casts out demons and they obey him. That would be some worship service to be a part of, wouldn't it? News about him spread quickly, over the whole region. This happens in Capernaum. Capernaum means village of comfort. Village of comfort. And maybe I'm making more of it than there is to make of it, but I wonder sometimes if our comfort actually prevents us from encountering, from receiving from experiencing all that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has to offer to us today. I, there was a conversation before the service started with a couple of people that came and found their seats, um, and one person sits in the same seat every week. 
That's okay. A lot of us do. Hands up if you sit in the same spot every week. No shame. I mean, I, like, I do it. I'm in the same spot every week. Hands up if you sit in a different spot every week. Okay, all right, it's a good mix. So, and then there was another person that sat in a completely different spot every week and how it actually was a bit uncomfortable to sit in a different spot. And a joke about, oh, I wonder whose seat I'm sitting in if I sit here today. Like they're allocated. But how quickly do we get comfortable with just the same thing? Even something practical like that, to sit in the same spot, and some of us might have a particular reason why we sit where we sit. I know people that don't like to sit on a particular colour chair. I didn't ask you to own up, and I didn't know it was you, but that's okay. <laughs> I was thinking of somebody else who's not even here today. The cushions in all of them are all the same people. Oh, no, they're, wow. Wow, here we go. Well, you can talk about Jesus and casting out demons. We'll sit here in silence. But if you want to talk about the color of the chairs, oh, now we fire up. They're different. Let's talk about comfort. My goodness. The village of comfort. Are we so comfortable? Now, look, I know last week I was really full on and really intense, and I hope you've all recovered from that. I've almost recovered. I'm trying to be way more friendly this week. Are we so comfortable with our routine, with situation normal, with just going through the motions, that we don't expect to encounter Jesus, Son of the living God, whatever that might look like. Whatever that might look like. Turn to Mark chapter 6. The same region, not the same place, not the same synagogue, Jesus goes um, to his hometown accompanied by his disciples when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. There's a sense that this is the first time they've heard the teaching of Jesus. And you'll see that he's actually surrounded by people that would have known him growing up. They say, where did they, this man get these things? All right, so the first group, they say, what is this authority, this new authority? And he even casts out demons. Here Jesus is teaching again. Where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that's been given him that he even does miracles? So you can hear there's this wonder and awe and amazement, which is a big theme for Mark right throughout his gospel. A lot of astonishment, a lot of awe, a lot of wonder when Jesus does something. Like nearly three dozen times Mark mentions some kind of awe and wonder. What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? And then you can see there's this shift when the spirit of comfort kicks in, when the spirit of familiarity just starts to kind of weave its way into their, their recognition. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? 
aren't, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. They took offence at him. They had this moment where before them is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, Saviour of the world. They didn't know all that at that time, but they'd seen some of his work because they acknowledged the wisdom that enabled him to perform the miracles. But in just a moment, it clouded over for them when they realised, oh, we knew him growing up. This is Mary's boy. Oh, we, we thought he was, he was someone special. We thought he was someone different, but clearly he's not. And there's even a bit of a, um, a slap in the face there because they say, isn't this Mary's son? It's not like your identity in this culture came from who your father was, not your mother. It's not, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Mary's son? So there's no mention of Joseph. They would have known something of the story of how Jesus came to be born. And in that moment, they lose any opportunity to receive from Jesus all that he had to give to them, all that he had to offer. This is what gets me. That Jesus, verse uh, 4. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honour. He, no, he could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus on his worst day is better than my best. Have you ever realised that? That he couldn't do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Like if I pray for one person and they're healed, that's a great day. If I have the courage and the faith to pray for one person, no matter the outcome, that's a great day. But Jesus is like, oh, this is a tough crowd. All right, you, 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 all right. Bless you all, we're on. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Because they looked at him and they said, we know who you are. We watched you growing up. We know where you work. We know what you do. We know what you like. You can't be, you can't be the Messiah. No, we expected something else and you're not him. Even though Jesus moments before was teaching from the very scripture that pointed to him. Yet they were so fixed in their ways, so comfortable with what they knew about Jesus, that they couldn't move on from it. Are we so comfortable with what we know about Jesus that we've read the Bible, that we've come to church, that we've sung the songs, that we've done all the Christian tricks all our lives, that we have lost our faith in who he is and what he does? Have, have, we, have we lost the awe and the wonder to actually experience the signs and the wonders and the healings and miracles that Jesus Christ wants to pour out on us, his brothers and sisters, and release into the world today. I, I ask this question of us as a community, of, of myself, because like I said last week, I'm crying, I know that there is more in store for us as a church. 
and I'm, and I'm crying out for it to see it. We're crying out for it as a leadership, as a people. There has to be more. There has to be more. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Jesus calls his 12 disciples to him. Oh, sorry, Matthew chapter 10. Sorry. Messed you up. Matthew chapter 10. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. You cannot give what you, cannot give what you do not have. Jesus gave the disciples authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. So good I bought the t-shirt. Freely you have received, freely give. You might have heard, freely you have received, freely give, used as an offering message. It's not an offering message. It's a call, it's, a, it's an impartation of power and authority to go about doing the works that Jesus called us to do. In the same power and authority that he had, that he bestows upon us. This is our responsibility, this is our privilege, this is why we are alive. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. We get to partner with him, work with him, work for him to go about doing likewise. I want to see some people free from the demons that possess them. But it gets really uncomfortable really fast when you start talking about people being possessed by demons. Like, how do you even broach that subject? Oh, you're unwell. You seem not quite right. Are you possessed by a demon? Nobody wants that question. No, because we actually have to do it in relationship with Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, that we lean into him, that we invite his presence, that we come before him, on our knees, seeking his face, crying out to him that he would be at work in us and through us as we gather in his name, that people would come in and before we pray for them that they would actually be healed in his presence because his presence overflows in this place. That is our hope and our desire. This is why we're alive. The other part, getting ready for this today is to remind every single one of us that nobody is exempt from experience the grace, the love, the healing power of Jesus Christ. Nobody. Nobody is beyond it. Nobody is beyond it. Because he is love and his grace, his power, his, he has enough authority for whatever it is that we might be coming up against, whatever we might be trialing, whatever trial we might be facing. If only we'd let him. If only we'd let him. And that might require us getting out of our comfort zone. I don't know, maybe it's something as simple as sitting in a different seat. 
Maybe it's inviting somebody to church or to life group or inviting a stranger to dinner or whatever it might be, just to get ourselves out of what we've always done, what we've always known, and to experience the goodness and the kindness that comes from the Son of the living God. That we would know him and encounter him. Listen, it doesn't just end at the disciples. I want to finish up with this story. It's in Acts chapter 3. I'll just read it out because I love the story. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. We can even get comfortable with our discomfort. We can get comfortable with our sickness. We can get comfortable with whatever it is that actually restricts us from living the full life. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have life in abundance. We can actually get comfortable, more comfortable with what we know that we become too afraid to step into the unknown that Jesus has in store for us. Does that, does that make sense? Like We get so comfortable because I know this. I know whatever it is, even if this is painful. Even if this that I know right here and right now hurts, I know this and I'm too afraid of the unknown to actually let go of this and say, Jesus, I surrender. Because sometimes that's what's actually in between here, the, the pain and the agony and the hurt and the frustration, and here which is the complete freedom that we have in Jesus Christ is for us to let go of the known and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. <laughs> then Peter said, look at us. I love Peter. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Mm. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Oh, I love that story. The beautiful thing is that's not just a story from a couple of thousand years ago that we read and go, wow, that's really awesome. This is like a mandate for us here now today. And I love the simplicity of it. I love the simplicity of it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Either we can make two things, things too comfortable or sometimes I wonder if we make things too complicated. Like the only secret is to know Jesus, to call on him as Lord and Saviour and then in his name to command things to be. Imagine the change that we would bring to our church, the world around us, 
if we went and spoke things into being, if we went and released healing and miracles, signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Not afraid, not discouraged, not anxious, but completely safe in the knowledge of the one that we followed, the one who calls us, the one who anoints us with power and authority to go about destroying the works of the devil. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. I think so. If you, um, if you are struggling with, I, I had the sense before I got up to preach of like a hand on the head, it was like a hand gripping. If you struggle with um, mental health issues, I know this will be bold, this will be uncomfortable. If you struggle with a head injury, if you struggle with migraines, or if you struggle with thoughts that you know are not your own, can you, I want you to stand up, I want you to take the step of faith and stand up, and we're going to speak healing over you. So if that's you, if you've got like, I'm not trying to be funny, if you've got trouble in your head, whether that's in the thoughts, whether that's in migraines, head trauma, can I ask you to stand? If you feel like there's a hand gripping your head, can you stand? All right. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak freedom over you. I speak life over your thoughts, over your minds. I speak peace that surpasses understanding. Command any demonic spirits assigned to you to leave in Jesus' name. This is not God's will for you. This is not God's will for you. This is not your lot in life. I bless you to walk in freedom and to have the mind, to know that you have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing and what you are about to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for standing up. If you sense a change, if you know something's different, come let me know. And you can doubt me. You, you, like, you, don't, have to, you don't even have to like me. That's not my problem. You, like, don't doubt Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one that went to the cross that you and I can have life forever with our Father in heaven. And we don't have to die to have that life. We can have that life right now. Is there anybody here that does not have a relationship with Jesus? Anybody that has not said yes and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life? Because that, that's the ultimate miracle. That Jesus, through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, could actually give us new life, that we could be a new creation. Nobody? Oh, I'm sorry, are you standing? Are you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus? Would you like to receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour of your life? Thank you, Jesus. Can we give her a round of applause? Thank you, Jesus.
All right, we're going to sing another song. As we sing, can, and you can bring someone down with you, that would be a good idea. Can you come down the front and I can talk with you and pray with you? Or you can do it right now, that's fine too. Yeah, come, come with her, Dave. Come now, come now. Let's do this together. Yeah, come up here, sure. Is this on, Coxie? Hello, this is a bit scary. What's your name? Chloe. Chloe. How old are you, Chloe? Eight. Eight. And do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour of your life? Yes. Yes? Well, that's fantastic. We want to, um, we celebrate with you and we know that all of heaven is celebrating as you give your life to Jesus and we're going to walk with you and cheer you on and help you to know what it is to follow Jesus. Okay? All right, and then you, right from the very moment, right from now, you get to walk in the same power and authority that Jesus walked in. Yeah? Is that good? Yeah. All right, can you just reach out your hands to Chloe? Just going to pray with her. So, Father God, we thank you for Chloe. We thank you that she said yes to following you and she receives the new life that you have to give her. And we bless her in Jesus' name. We bless her to draw near to you, leaning on the promise that you will draw near to her. Mm. Thank you that she is made in your image, fearfully and wonderfully made, to reflect your kindness and your likeness. Mm. Thank you for all that you have in store for her, Lord, for all the days ahead that you have planned for her, that you have called her to walk in your ways, to know you, to know your love and to know your forgiveness. We bless Chloe for the days and the weeks ahead that she would have encounters with you. She would have dreams and visions straight from heaven. She would hear your voice. She would see your face. And she would know you face to face like a friend. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we say, Amen. Amen. Amen.